and welcome to Fresh Pressed for June 8th, 2021. My name is Gabe. And my name is Andrew. This is a show about music where we talk about new tunes and jobless grooves. That's fine. That's fine. Our theme this week is unemployment. Because, Andrew, as of Friday, I'm technically, I mean, not even technically, I just am unemployed, which is thrilling. Yeah. This happens to be sort of the positive rendition of that, but um, yeah, we'll get into some of the the maybe less positive uh, views with the songs themselves. Well, with your song, my song is very positive. That's but... true. Yours, your song, Andrew, is a bop. Why don't you tell us about it? My song is entitled TGIF, and it's by La Tigra. Now, Gabe, um, Philistine and misogynist that you are, you are not familiar with La Tigra. Okay. I, yes, have missed this particular Kathleen Hanna side project. My bad. I definitely know who Kathleen Hanna is, though. Um, good. Well, I mean, I don't know that I would call it a side project. So La Tigra, uh, she formed after um, Bikini Kill broke up in 1997. Very famous, very important riot girl musician kathleen hannah formed la tigra after her uh probably more famous and uh, uh arguably more important band bikini kill broke up in 97 98 uh she founded la tigra with joanna fateman and sadie benning um and then sadie benning left and was replaced by jd sampson that is the trio the, the latter trio is the one that is playing on this album which is uh 2001's feminist sweepstakes so if you are uh, even worse than, than Gabe and you are not familiar with Kathleen Hanna and the Riot Girl movement at all, go fucking read about it. Riot Girl is a punk movement of the 80s and 90s, late 80s, mostly 90s, that is sort of associated with third wave feminism. It fucking rocks and Kathleen Hanna is like the poster child for it. Um, I was reading a little bit about the specific history of Riot Girl because it is it is very much like a... I don't know if Riot Girl were developed today, it would be called Riot Girl because of the girl part, but it was very much an intentional like reclaiming of of the word girl, both choosing that to specifically associate the movement with childhood when like a lot of misogynist uh, effects of of society uh, become crystallized for young women, um, but then also to sort of reclaim it and uh, empower it by turning it into not G-I-R-L, but G-R-R-R-L. Right. And a great place to start musically would be Bikini Kill, which is, yeah. as Andrew pointed out, Kathleen Hanna's famous project, most famous project. Anyway, okay, so this song is called TGIF. Um, and it is about who it's about not giving a shit about a job and fuck that and and have a good time, which is good. And I feel like um, that is a good lesson for all of us to take. 
um, the first lines like in five years you won't remember getting fired or whatever and it's really just about like supporting your friends and um, jobs being stupid how do you feel about that Gabe yes you know broadly it's the kind of anti-capitalist ideal here right like Mm -hmm. there are things that are more important in particular and I uh, definitely am vibing with that particular emotion right now yeah at the beginning of the song proper there's there's this like little right sample this is like this little clip sort of like clipped on the edges so it sounds almost not like a word uh that just gets repeated and then the beat comes in and then that right sort of phases slower behind the beat until it goes away um, which I think is very cool. And that is um, connected to a little like skit that is part of the song, sort of, but also part of the end of the previous song in the album, Well, 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 with like this weird like day manager character <laughs> that comes in and says, don't fuck with me, I'm the fucking manager and don't forget your fucking daily planners. Um, it's great. And then it just goes smoothly into this right, yeah, just like fades and phases into the start of the song. So when I think of uh, Riot Girl, mm-hmm. I think of a more guitar-driven movement, whereas this is, not that there aren't guitars, but like it's like definitely reminds me of other early 2000s like synthy pop-driven music, which is interesting. Yeah, uh, La Tigre definitely, as, as a project, is a lot more electronic than... For example, Bikini Kill. Um, And, you know, that's probably... You're right. That was probably because of sort of the general musical ethos, the, like, DIY ethos at the time. Kathleen Hanna was working on... After Bikini Kill broke up, was working on a solo project called Julie Ruin um, that she was sort of, like, making herself with just, like, a drum machine in her bedroom kind of thing. And then La Tigra as a band sort of grew out of grew out of like that her needing a live a live band for for performing shows um for that project julie ruin but then it sort of became a a real band separately i just really like that the the thing about this song is that it starts angry and being like fuck jobs and then at the end it's it becomes like happy and fuck jobs you know what i mean like at the beginning, you're thinking maybe like, okay, this is just like a sort of anti-capitalist rant, um, which is great, you know, great genre, but maybe that's what you assume that's all it is. But then it really becomes like affirmation of your friends, but still don't forget, I don't uh, I don't give a shit what, what your boss thinks, what that dick thinks, sorry, is the specific line. Yeah, and it gets, it gets like thicker and, it, the, you know, wider in scope and... Um, it's just about having a good time, and that is a great, a great lesson. Gabe, you've chosen a less, sort of less optimistic take on the unemployment theme. I have. I I definitely have. 
This is Living with Unemployment from Newtown Neurotics off their record Beggars Can Be Choosers from 1983. So we're sticking definitely with the punk genre on this one, Andrew. Yeah, you know, I think I think I don't know about you, but I kind of expected that when we decided on the theme unemployment in terms of like no. the, <laughs> the types of songs that are written about not having a job. Definitely true. And, you know, a lot of well, so uh, for the listeners, right, punk as a genre started in the mid to late 70s with emergence of bands like The Clash, um, who obviously very much inspired this band, Newtown Erotics, which at the time, globally, and particularly in the United Kingdom, there was major economic downturn, uh, high unemployment, the whole thing. So mm-hmm. it sort of inspired some of the whole punk ethos, right? Hence why this all makes sense. Um, this is a little bit later, um, not sort of early punk, um, but as punk has matured as a genre, so 1983. Um, this is the debut album of the Neurotics. They're, uh, they were around since maybe like 79, ended up lasting until 1988, and consisted of three people. Steve Druitt, who's the lead singer and guitarist, and then Simon Lamond and Colin Dredd playing the drums and the bass. The song is very openly political, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, and the band sort of garnered reputation for that in the 80s as being uh, like just openly socialist and embodying the punk ethos from a political perspective rather than just like an aesthetic perspective. Yeah. You know, we, we associate punk with like anarchism and and, and socialism to some extent but not all the bands were so necessarily outright active or lyrically straightforward. This is about how much being unemployed can suck, but also this uh, middle finger at the government, mm-hmm. which, yeah, um, again, very punk. So this song is not exactly an original, Andrew. It isn't. Um, it is not. Huh. It is a, a remake, I guess you would call it, of a song by The Members, another punk band, uh, that's called Solitary Confinement. Uses, okay. you know, similar structure, the same chords, like different key, but, and like, uh, ha- cribs some of the lyrics. It's, I mean, they, they directly attribute the song to The Members, but they put down their own lyrics, basically, and, and changed up some other aspects of the song. Which is sort of like an interesting take on the whole idea of a cover. Okay, so you know how in like a cover you often only get like, you know, the same words, but somebody they'll like change it up. It'll be like acoustic or they'll like make it jazzy. You know? Okay. So this is more like they kept the instrumentation style and changed up the words. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, I was gonna say it's it sort of feels like a like a folk take on on covering things where it's not like 
you're going to change stuff, but it's still the sort of the same song, but you're going to, ch- you can change it. And then also another side of <laughs> the idea is like, you can just take a song that exists and adapt it to your needs. Um, whether that's changing the lyrics, changing the entire outlook of the song, but it's not just like a, maybe what we, uh, in, in modern times traditionally think of as a cover, um, which also makes sense with like punk, um, especially like this early eras of punk is very influenced by like folk music of the British Isles. It's mostly like Irish and British folk music. Right. Like two and a half minutes into the song, it's, it feels like the song is about to end. Which is yeah. something that, that was their thing. Uh, and then it launches into a second section. So, like, you know, at this point, punk had already moved beyond, like, everything is a two-minute song. Um, <laughs> but what's really interesting is the second half of the song contains, like, a reggae punk section, which is not uh, a style of music that I'm very familiar with. Steve Druitt, the, the, the lead singer and guitarist, ended up, doing like an afro punk band in the 90s later and you can hear some of that influence in other places on this album too when you're out of work they treat you like dirt i said when you're out of work they treat you like dirt i said when you're out of work they treat you like dirt oh when you're out of work they treat you like dirt they treat you like dirt they treat you like dirt they treat you treat you so it's it's not just about unemployment. There's other uh, political shots being taken, notably the the conflict in Northern Ireland. Um, yeah. But obviously, that's very present at this point in the in the late seventies, early eighties, poking at the oh, you're unemployed, join the army. I you know I appreciate the exploration of like the loneliness of not doing anything. You don't have money, so you can't go out. So you have no friends. One last interesting fact about the band. Yeah. They were one of the first like Western bands to play behind the Iron Curtain. Really? Um, yeah, which is sort of fascinating. They did a... Yeah, so in 1986, they played in East Berlin, mm-hmm. um, both officially and unofficially in different places. And there's actually a whole series of blog posts on Steve Druitt's website he was talking a bit about like what it was like to to play in like East Germany at the time, huh? Maybe because their songs were more an- anti-capitalist, they were uh, they were allowed in. <laughs> Andrew, it was a good week for new stuff, I thought. Really loved this album that you brought. Me too. The song that I want to talk about is entitled Die for Love. And it is by Tristan off her new album, Aquatic Flowers. Take me out in your car tonight Full moon, my feelings unleashed My mood is swinging, my mind is racing Let the Tristan is Tristan Gaspadaric. Um, this is her fourth full-length LP, although I have to admit that I was not uh, familiar with her music until now. 
but I'm glad that I am because I think this album's really, really good and very much up my alley of sort of a um, folk-influenced, like, indie, pop-ish, pop ish sort of thing, you know? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. The usual, like, how do I put any words on the genre nonsense? Yeah. This album is uh, centered around her son, Julian, who uh, was born in 2019. So I think he's about two now. And I, I, I think I, I read somewhere that, that she, like, really was unsure about how to put this song out. And it hinged a lot on how things went in November of last year. Luckily, things went the way that she was hoping they would go. Um, and so she, she, she put out this album. I mean, it's a really beautiful album, but it is really absolutely about her son specifically and sort of, and like becoming a mother or as she also says, just sort of like becoming older, whether you become a parent or not, your sort of perspective on the world changes and it's less about uh, yourself and more about your place in, in the larger system of things. And so that is sort of the, the change in perspective that drove her to write this album. Interesting. I did not know that when I was listening to the album and it does you know, give some context and color to the songs. Yeah. Oh, also, I just want to mention this because I learned this uh, through reading. Although the album is about her young son, there is a, a child in a bathtub on the on the album cover. That's not a painting of her son. That is just a, an unrelated painting that she felt in by Megan Kimber that she felt encapsulated the like vibe of the album, but it's not like a painting of her son. Beautiful painting, though. That's an important clarification. Uh, it is a great album cover, and it does yes. encapsulate the album quite nicely. I like the blues. Yes, lovely blues, lovely, lovely brushwork. Very um, Cezanne influenced. Who, of course, is as I've said thousands of times on this podcast, is my favorite impressionist. If I'm gonna live in this world. One of the things that I really love about the song, which, uh, by the way, is in 6-8 time, which I mentioned as a joke theme for today's episode, because today <laughs> yeah, is June 8th, um, and this was entirely unintentional, and then I realized, I remembered as I was listening to it today, I was like, oh yeah, that was the joke theme. What I really like about this song, other than the fact that it's in 6-8, is um, all of her like chord choices in here? It it like it keeps sort of changing the the tonal center, not in a weird, not in sort of an unexpected way. Um, mostly moving by like fifths, so it's a way that makes sense for the chords to change, for like the tonal center to change and move back and forth. But it also sort of propels the music forward. It feels like it keeps advancing when she does these chord changes. It's not jarring, but it is. Um, sort of surprising and, and enhances the intensity of the song between everything including like the rhythms that are set forth right it feels yeah. like sort of like you're on a boat that's like the whole six eight thing and um like constantly moving forward yeah yeah the, both both the the meter and and the chord the you know the harmony of the song i think really uh advance that that feeling but you can probably guess that it wasn't just that that made me fall in love with the song. 
it is uh, the the point where this song sort of blooms and blossoms open at about one minute forty five seconds with the lines forever and eyes. Um, it just like opens up and widens out, slows down just a little bit. Um, the rhythms uh, get a little more spare, so it, it it feels like there's a little more openness. And then it goes back into it, but then it blooms again in a different way round about three minutes in for the last lines of the song that just get repeated. Everything else is so empty in these times anyway. What I found really compelling about this is that it has these two sort of blossoming open moments, which is a thing that we've definitely talked about before, liking this this kind of thing in a song. And she does it twice in here, and they are distinct in the way that they blossom. And I think they make sense for the song as a whole. So the first one, um, the Forever in Eyes one, feels just very, very much focused on the openness and the expansion. Um, it has these, these backing vocals, which are throughout the whole track. But the way that they're used here is they're, just, they're mostly just sustained, a single note um, sustained out and sort of echoing what she's saying in the lead vocal. And then they have sort of little fills, little gestures at the end of lines to get them up and down and back around to that sustained note again. And it just feels like everything's stretching out. And the rhythm as well is is very spare here. So it, it gives a lot of space. But then in the second blossoming, um, after it's gone back to the driving 6-8 section, well, it's always been in 6-8, but the, the driving more, more rhythmically focused section, um, this second blossoming has those background vocals on these ahs that are rising up higher and higher relatively quickly compared to the the their movement in the first section the first blossoming section um, and also sort of across the repetitions of the lead vocal like their sort of path is longer so they're at one spot for the first time she sings something and they're still rising up for the second part and then they have this sort of slower stepping down and and getting ready to go back up again and that just makes it feel like there's a lot more momentum to this one where the the first section was um just like open and sort of taking a breath in the in the middle of the song this one is more open but it feels like a release of energy and that energy continues to flow um and so the the like momentum and the excitement sort of rises up to the end of the song In these times Gabe, you have a new track uh, Once again, something that I um, Did not see at all And if I had really would have been a contender for my my pick i thought it might um this is love my love from rachel sermani off her ep swallow me if my love you go Follow 
Rachel Sermani is a Scottish folk musician from the town of Carbridge, somewhere in Scotland. Carbridge. This is her latest EP. She's released, I think, three full-length records, that none of which have crossed my path in any way, shape, or form. Um, I think she's much better known in the Scottish scene, which makes sense. Um, and she's, like, opened and toured for various groups there. This album, Andrew, interestingly enough, is also about her becoming a mother, um, although she describes it more as the... Uh, as charting her journey to motherhood rather than the like actual act of having a child. And I think that's in part because this album was mostly written while she was on tour, I think before the birth of her daughter in 2018. So some parallels here. And she's said that currently she's also a huge fan of Adrian Lenker, which makes right. a lot of sense because <laughs> who isn't? Yeah, also ties together nicely the whole new song section today. Andrew, when I heard this song, my first thought was, this is not an original song. Yeah? Because it's got like almost like this classic motif, right? Of like, your love is leaving for New Orleans, <laughs> like literally New mm -hmm. Orleans. And I was like, oh, maybe this is some take on some American folk song. When I saw this, I was like, wait, is this going to be I Love My Love? And it's not. But um, I, I had that same thought, but just based on the, <laughs> the name of the song. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, it makes sense to me. And it just like, like was, the, you know, last track on an EP. That's like frequently a good place to throw in a cover or some rendition of a common folk song. But as far as I can tell, this is original. But I love that it's, like, so beautifully, like, ties itself into this grander, I think, transatlantic folk narrative with especially, like, the almost, like, mythical view of New Orleans and this place that I cannot follow you to. Um, I assume, intentionally, um, the whole song sort of, especially in the middle and end sections like ties into this like jazzy feel there's an upright bass and the drums are being played with brushes which is you know jazz new orleans kind of a kind of related thing and in general i think that the instrumentation on this song is beautiful um there's like this uh, effect drenched grand piano that's being played on this song played by ruben hine I caught a couple different interviews that she's done because I was curious because because uh, I had heard how like she has described the album as again charting her journey towards motherhood. It keeps like the phrase that she keeps using, hmm. but like in wanting to tell that story of like coming to the decision to you know want to be a parent, um, but also like the whole arc of traditional 
like motherhood and womanhood and how that ties into the modern world. She says, I still feel quite vehemently that it's really important to talk about the darker side of having babies and the complexities of like, you know, I wasn't some in love, betrothed, married woman with a belly full of giggles and muffins. And I think on that note, like she has a partner, but they're not married. And um, like that whole interesting non-traditional aspect and also how that ties into her music. And this song as sort of like a morning, I mean, nominally maybe about like your lover. And maybe more than nominal, I don't know. But it also feels like this classic story of I'm unable to follow you down this path and the choices that we make because of our ties or because of how we want to live our lives. And basically these concrete choices that we make that forever shape our paths. And, you know, like becoming a mother is, I think, very much one of those, or any sort of parent, like one of those concrete decisions and acts there's uh something that i want to mention about the song itself and and specifically the vocals is that somewhere in the, in the later part of the song she has this there's series of just like leaps vocal leaps that she has that are rising and it's the like craziest and most beautiful sequence she's going from like the root to the sixth, which is a normalish uh, jump, and then she goes to the like flat seven, which makes it feel like she's in a different key than she actually is, and then from there she goes to the the normal seven. So she's just under an octave. She's one half step under an octave, which is a a very interesting sort of interval to sing and especially to sustain that higher note as she does for a long time and it's an interesting note like tonally to be sustained on but the sequence of those notes also makes it feel like she's hitting the rather than hitting like the major seventh which is a weird note but not a not a super weird note to be singing because of the way that she's formulated it and the way that the the harmony affects it it feels like it is like the the flat five or the sharp four which is like the the wrongest of notes. But because she's not actually there, um, it doesn't feel super wrong like as a whole experience, but it, it just feels wild and like ethereal. And then the rest of the music sort of backs that backs that feeling up. It was just that was so compelling to me and crazy. I'm not explaining it well, but I mean to me, Andrew, that's like the part of the it sounds jazzy to me. This is that's a very like a that's a classic kind of sort of jazz influenced series of intervals. Sure. Yes. No. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's definitely jazzy, but that doesn't make it not um, no inherent. Like that. That is yes. It's definitely jazzy, but that doesn't make it feel normal because that's the point of that the use of that sort of thing, right? In the jazz context as well, is that it still feels uh, a little alien. Yeah, I think it's a beautifully done song. Um, some of the other songs in the album are, are, are just like a four-song EP, and they're all gorgeous. I also really like the song before this on the EP, which is titled Traveled. Let go, let go, let go. 
Andrew, what other good music did you want to highlight this week? Well, we should probably talk about Japanese Breakfast. Hell yeah. Let's start there. So Japanese Breakfast put out her new album, Jubilee, this weekend. It's fucking great, and it's also fucking huge, which is why neither of us bothered to like consider it for this show, because it is getting uh, a ton of buzz, and rightly so, because it's really great. And like any good album, the last track is the best. When she announced this album, she announced it as, what did she say, a, a record about happiness? Something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, hence the title Jubilee. And that's not purely straightforward true, but that's definitely the vibe. And it's very fun. I, It's so delightful to listen to. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I don't think I'm going to be going to uh, the fourth of four shows that she's doing in Philly in August. Um, she was originally just going to do one show. And then they sold out, so they added a second one. And then they sold out of that one, so they added a third one. And then they sold out of that one, so they added a fourth one. I think maybe some people are, A, excited about this album, and B, excited to go back to shows this this coming fall. So it's getting pretty nuts. But I, I don't think I will be going to that show, but um, I bet it'll be incredible because this album's really great. The other major record that was released from like an indie perspective, Andrew, was Rostam's debut record. Yeah. Rostam. Um, Wait, who that's not are his probably... debut. He's had other stuff as Rostam. This is not his debut. Oh, it's not at all. No. I thought it was good. Change Phobia. Yeah, I was really into it. Formerly of Vampire Weekend. Yes. I think on that on that album, actually, the second to last track is the best track. So. Wow. Yeah. Andrew, that's really breaking character. Yep, that's growth for you. On the, the classical music front, if you enjoyed how much I was analyzing stuff today, uh, you might like a new recording by the Latvian Radio Choir of um, a piece called Light by the, I believe, Spanish composer Ramon Umate. I don't know how to say this name, Gabe. I, I believe he's Spanish, H-U-M-E-T. Uh, I mean, that's how you would pronounce it. But... Okay, great. Anyway, it's a it's a really lovely piece. There was a really cool record from Pote called A Tenuous Tale of Her, which is like got some atmospheric elements and some cool uh, Afrobeat elements to it um, that I thought was phenomenal. Great album. Um, another great release from the like Adrian Young collective uh Adrian Young and Ali Shahid Muhammad collective of Jazz is Dead um, that has been consistently putting out great albums. This is the seventh, uh, and it is... Um, hey, Gabe, I need another... <laughs> this one's Portuguese. I've never known how to say this name. J-O-A-O? Joao? With this is it Joao? Okay. I wasn't sure about the I first so. consonant pronunciation. Um, it's probably like is... It's like Je, right? Yeah. Well, I don't know. Is it? <laughs> you tell me. You're the linguist. Anyway, uh, Joao Donato, really excellent album. Check it out. Um, I also really loved the latest release from Liz Fair, with a PH, called Soberish. The title track is awesome. That's our show for the week. You can find us on Twitter, at Fresh Pressed Pod. We have a Spotify playlist with all of the picks from the show over both 
years that the show has existed. Um, we'll leave those links in the show notes as always. Andrew and I will be back with more tunes and more grooves on June 15th. But for now, I'm Gabe. I'm Andrew. And you have been listening to Fresh Pressed. Thank you.